Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following podcast contains audio extracted from videos on the Harry Potter Theory YouTube channel. Hey everyone, welcome to another installment of Harry Potter Theory. Today, we're going to be discussing a rather compelling theory pertaining to the Defense Against the Dark Arts posting at Hogwarts School. I first saw this theory on Reddit, so shout out to Wordhammer on the HP subreddit for the inspiration. Defense Against the Dark Arts is a core subject taught at Hogwarts that purportedly teaches students how to defend themselves against dark magic, creatures, and curses, though I'm not sure this subject has been particularly successful in this regard. The curriculum covers a wide range of topics, including recognizing and repelling dark creatures, identifying and countering curses, and learning protective spells. But for as long as Harry attended Hogwarts, and actually for many decades prior, the subject had a particularly high turnover rate. Scratch that, a ludicrously high turnover rate. Every single year that Harry attended Hogwarts, he had a completely different professor that taught the subject in an entirely different way. As you can imagine, this was pretty disruptive to the learning process, and who could be responsible for such a mess? Why, Lord Voldemort, of course. This is explained to Harry by Dumbledore. Oh, he definitely wanted the Defense Against the Dark Arts job, said Dumbledore. The aftermath of our little meeting proved that. You see, we have never been able to keep a Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher for longer than a year since I refused the post to Lord Voldemort. And it all dates back to young Tom Riddle's graduation from Hogwarts. Shortly after completing his studies, Tom Riddle expressed his desire to become the Defense Against the Dark Arts professor at his alma mater. Partially driven by his love for the school, and partially driven by his fascination with the dark arts. And he didn't waste any time, quickly submitting an application to then-headmaster Armando Dippet. After some time, Dippet ended up refusing Riddle's application, citing his age, but did encourage him to reapply in the future if he was still interested. More than two decades later, Riddle emerged as the enigmatic and notorious Lord Voldemort. Seeking an opportunity to return to Hogwarts, Voldemort once again pursued the coveted Defense Against the Dark Arts position. However, this time, Albus Dumbledore had assumed the role of headmaster. Recognizing Voldemort's dark intentions, Dumbledore staunchly rejected his application. Despite Voldemort's ulterior motives of using the application as a pretext to conduct research on dark magic, recruit followers, and conceal one of his horcruxes, 
he was enraged by the denial of his return to the school. After his denial, Voldemort sought vengeance by jinxing the position, ensuring that from that point onward, no one could maintain the defense against the Dark Arts post for more than one year. And as far as conventional understanding of the Harry Potter story goes, everyone has always accepted this fact at face value. No one can hold a position for more than a year, and that's about all there is to it. There's no explanation for why one year or how one year is actually enforced. Which makes me wonder, how is it that this jinx actually works? We know the outcome, but have very little information on the process. Today, I want to discuss a compelling theory which adds a layer of depth to Voldemort's nefarious jinx, perhaps suggesting that the jinx is far more sinister than meets the eye. In essence, the sinister theory posits that whoever occupies the data position is destined to be confronted by his or her worst fears. From the moment they sign the dotted line and occupy the position, this fate becomes inevitable. Going through the list of data professors that occupied the role during Harry's time at Hogwarts, let's take a closer look. Quirinus Quirrell Quirinus Quirrell was an English half-blood wizard born sometime in the 1960s. Quirrell was a highly unusual and delicate but talented student, and was teased profusely at school, making the anxious Quirrell even more anxious. He also had feelings of inadequacy which led to him taking a particular interest in the dark arts, a highly complicated and dangerous field of magic that could perhaps garner Quirrell the attention and respect that he always longed for. In 1990, after teaching for several years as the muggle studied professor at Hogwarts, Quirrell became, shall we say, fed up. This led to him taking a year-long sabbatical in order to gain first-hand experience in the field. However, Quirrell's real objective was to find Lord Voldemort. Fueled by his intense need to be recognized and acknowledged, Quirrell set off with the belief that if he was the one to find Voldemort, he would be praised by all of the wizarding world. And find Voldemort he did. However, things didn't go exactly according to plan, as he was easily manipulated and controlled by Voldemort. Voldemort recounts just how easy Quirrell was to manipulate. A wizard, young, foolish, and gullible, wandered across my path in the forest I'd made my home. Oh, he seemed the very chance I'd been dreaming of, for he was a teacher at Dumbledore's school. He was easy to bend to my will. He brought me back to this country, and after a while, I took possession of his body to supervise him closely as it carried out my orders. For as long as Quirrell was alive, his greatest desire was to be recognized. He was intelligent, capable, and more than willing to put the work in. But for some reason, he was never properly acknowledged. Contrary to this, Quirrell's greatest fear was to never be recognized, living out a life where his contributions to society were continually swept under the rug. After being overpowered by Voldemort, Quirrell was forced to face this fear head on. Under the Dark Lord's control, he was devalued, used, and then thrown away. The worst part of it all was that his death was never even investigated. Fate was not kind to the poor misguided Quirrell, and he ended up facing his greatest fears in the worst way possible. Gilderoy Lockhart In adolescence, Lockhart was a clever, good-looking boy, and when he realized quite early on that he was magical, it only went to his head, inflating his already massive ego even further. In 1975, Lockhart began attending Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. When he first walked through the doors of the school, he was met with disappointment, as he came to the crushing realization that at a school for witches and wizards, he was just another magical young boy. 
In the Muggle world, Gilderoy was exceptional, but here he didn't stand out and that's all he ever longed for. In adulthood, we are introduced to a Lockhart that's ostentatious, egotistical, and quite frankly, delusional. Over the course of his life, he capitalized on the achievements of genuinely powerful witches and wizards by, quite deviously, implementing memory charms that made them forget altogether what they had done. With no one to lay claim to these accomplishments and no one to refute that it wasn't Lockhart who had achieved them, he claimed them for himself. Which leads me to Lockhart's biggest fear, being exposed as nothing exceptional. You see, Lockhart's whole existence was a facade, an attempt at conveying to the outside world that he was more amazing than he really was. And during his time as data professor, Lockhart's biggest fear finally came true when he was properly exposed. Remus Lupin To me, Remus Lupin was unquestionably the best defense against a dark arts professor, but that still didn't give him any purchase with regards to staying on past his first year in the role. Perhaps one of the most difficult aspects of Lupin's existence was that he suffered from lycanthropy, a magical affliction that transforms witches, wizards into werewolves. Lupin was afflicted with this disease at a very young age after being infected by Fenrir Greyback, which meant that he had to deal with it for most of his existence. And perhaps one of Lupin's greatest fears was that he a was exposed as a werewolf, mainly due to the stigma towards werewolves in wizarding society, and b that he would lose control in his werewolf form and risk hurting those closest to him. And while serving as professor for Defense Against the Dark Arts, Lupin faced both of these scenarios in a relatively short period of time. Barty Crouch Jr. Fake Moody In the 1994-1995 school year, Barty Crouch Jr., disguised as Professor Alistair Moody via Polyjuice Potion, took on the role of Data Professor. Interestingly, despite being an active Death Eater, Barty Crouch Jr. did a fairly good job of teaching the subject. However, while acting as the imposter professor, he was ultimately forced to confront numerous challenging situations that ultimately led to the manifestation of his fears. Firstly, in order to maintain his disguise, he had to kill his own father, Barty Crouch Sr., who was a prominent figure in the Ministry of Magic and staunchly opposed to Voldemort. This act demonstrated his loyalty to Voldemort, but also highlighted the fear and desperation that drove him. Additionally, Barty Crouch Jr.'s involvement in the Triwizard Tournament, which was manipulated to aid Voldemort's resurrection, led to him missing the significant moment when his master returned. This missed opportunity likely intensified his fear and anxiety about his own standing with Voldemort and the consequences if he failed to deliver. Barty Crouch Jr.'s greatest fears revolved around failing in his mission to serve Voldemort and the consequences that would come with it. He was known for his unwavering commitment to the Dark Lord, and he would have been afraid of disappointing Voldemort or facing his wrath if he were to make a mistake or fail in any way. And at the end of the same school year, when Barty Crouch Jr. was finally exposed as an imposter, he was subjected to the Dementor's Kiss, a fate that eradicated his soul. This encounter with the Dementor further solidified the theme of fear in his storyline, leaving him devoid of any hope or identity. Dolores Umbridge Dolores Umbridge's tenure as the Defense Against the Dark Arts professor was marked by her strict and oppressive teaching methods. Appointed by the Ministry of Magic, Umbridge's primary aim was to control the curriculum and ensure that the Ministry's propaganda was enforced. While her time as the data professor did not typically involve facing her fears, it did bring about challenging situations that revealed her true nature and ideology. 
Umbridge's fear was not related to personal vulnerabilities or past traumas, but rather a fear of losing control. The fear of anything she considered chaotic or outside of her authority. Furthermore, Umbridge was incredibly prejudiced. She loathed any and all kinds of magical creatures, and held a certain amount of disdain for Muggleborns. Ultimately, Umbridge has her authority completely destroyed, then falls victim to half-breeds and creatures, all because she was deceived by a Muggleborn. Ouch. Harry Potter Though not an official defense against the Dark Arts Professor, Harry Potter did covertly teach the subject to his peers behind closed doors during Umbridge's rule over Hogwarts. At this point in time, Dumbledore's army is formed, and Harry teaches his friends the ways of the Patronus charm in the Room of Requirement. And as it would appear, not even Harry, who unofficially taught the subject, was exempt from Voldemort's curse. In this same year, Harry's relationship with Cho implodes. He's caught by Umbridge as a result of his most hated rival, Draco, and he even ends up losing the closest thing to a parent he had left, Sirius. Having lost his parents at a very young age, I think that Harry's greatest fear was feeling alone in the world, devoid of friends and family. At this point in the story, I'd argue that Harry had a closer relationship with Sirius than anyone else, largely due to the connection with his parents. Snape Severus Snape became the Defense Against the Dark Arts Professor during Harry's sixth year at Hogwarts. In theory, Severus Snape was the perfect Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher. He had a profound understanding of both sides of the magical spectrum, and knew more about the Dark Arts than most, making him the perfect candidate to teach students defense. However, not even Snape, who vied for the Dada teaching position for so many years, seemed to be exempt from Voldemort's wicked curse. It was in this same school year that Snape had to begin taking action with regards to his perceived allegiances. Snape was a bad guy turned a good guy, and that's confirmed later on. But for a while, it's a little unclear what side he's truly on. At the end of the school year, Snape is forced to choose his side, ruining his reputation with those he respects, even if it was mainly just for the optics. Snape's deepest fear was that he would fail to fulfill his promise to protect Lily's son, Harry, due to his own past mistakes. Central to this responsibility was his partnership with Dumbledore, the only person who truly understood Snape's underlying motives. Ironically, in the same year, Snape found himself faced with the daunting task of killing Dumbledore. This unimaginable act would have undoubtedly left Snape feeling overwhelmingly scared and isolated in his internal turmoil. Amicus Caro The Caros, Electo and Amicus, took up postings as professors during Harry's seventh year at Hogwarts, in a time when Voldemort's influence had taken hold of the school. Their appointment was part of the Death Eaters' plan to indoctrinate students with dark magic and suppress any form of resistance. Teaching not only allowed the Caros to spread their twisted ideology, but also exposed them to situations that forced them to confront their own fears. Firstly, as Death Eaters, the Caros were fervently loyal to Voldemort. Witnessing the fall of the Dark Lord, as Harry Potter and his allies grew stronger in their fight against evil, would have been a major blow to their beliefs and an encounter with their deepest fear, the potential loss of their Dark Lord's power and influence. Furthermore, their actions as professors aligned with Voldemort's oppressive regime inevitably led to their downfall. After Voldemort's defeat, the Caros were captured by the Order of the Phoenix and sent to Azkaban, the prison they had managed to avoid until then. 
This turn of events forced them to confront the fear and despair of losing their freedom and facing the consequences of their actions. In a cruel twist of fate, Harry Potter, who had often been a target of the Carrow's cruelty, retaliated by using the Cruciatus Curse on Amicus when he spat insultingly at Professor McGonagall. This act provided a taste of their own medicine, causing the Carrows to experience the pain and suffering that they had inflicted on others. This served as a moment of reckoning, forcing them to confront the fear and anguish they had willingly inflicted on their victims. Closing Thoughts Voldemort's curse on the defense against the Dark Arts, data position, can be seen as a direct response to the insult of his rejection. Believing himself to be the most qualified candidate for the role, Voldemort designed the curse to compel any other contenders to demonstrate their superior suitability. The curse ultimately concludes when Voldemort dies, not due to the general rule that curses end with the death of their caster, but rather because he himself no longer has the opportunity to assume the position. And that's it for this video. What do you think? Have you ever wondered how this curse works? Please leave a comment down below. Also, if you enjoy the content, please like the video and subscribe to the channel. Until next time, remember, it does not do to dwell on dreams and forget to live.